for the newly indoctrinated, Jim Butcher's The Dresden Files follows the story of a professional wizard in Chicago. The first book, Stormfront, was published in 2000, and the series now boasts 17 novels, plus a combined 36 short stories, comics, and graphic novels to help flesh out the world. On top of that, The Dresden Files has also produced a television series, card games, and a TTRPG. With all that content, and a ballpark estimate of six coming novels, we've started our podcast as a way to break down the series' most important moments, characters, and lore. Add theories, ramblings, and outside sources, and you've got the number one Dresden podcast for all your interests. This is McAnally's Dresden Files podcast by Free Flow Rambling. Conjure by it at your own risk. Welcome to the first episode of our podcast, McNally's Pubcast, brought to you by Free Flow Rambling. We started our podcast as a way to discuss the series, talk about characters and theories, of course, general ramblings. Our podcast episode will be split up between two sections, a general spoiler-free discussion, and then a second episode that will enter the spoiler zone. We will discuss the text in question of terms of the larger universe under the pretense that everyone listening consents to hearing theories, spoilers, and details they may not otherwise be privy to. To introduce ourselves, my name is Tanzan. I am one of the hosts, the producer and interim director. I am an IT manager by day and a musician by night. I was first introduced to the Dresden Files by Maggie approximately seven years ago and have recently been doing my first reread. I'm Maggie. I found the Dresden Files by way of Jim Butcher himself, by way of James Marsters. I was a mod on uh, Marsters' message board, and Butcher popped on to proclaim his love uh, for Buffy and Spike, and then he was all like, hey, so I wrote a couple books, James is doing the audiobooks, like, come check it out. And then I did. And it was good. And I found yet another Harry in my life to adore and obsess over. I think there's like three or four of them now. And now we're here. <laughs> Uh, my name is Jess. I've been around Dresden since my mother, Maggie, got obsessed in the early 2000s. Guilty. I like to talk, and I'll be running social media, mostly because I'm obsessed with my phone. There. Now with our introductions out of the way, let's begin our discussions with the first book in the series, Stormfront. Harry Dresden is the best at what he does. Well, technically, he's the only at what he does. So when the Chicago PD has a case that transcends mortal creativity or capability, they come to him for answers. For the everyday world is actually full of strange and magical things, and most of them don't play well with humans. That's where Harry comes in. Takes a wizard to catch up. well, whatever. There's just one problem. Business, to put it mildly, stinks. So when the police bring him in to consult on a grisly double murder committed with black magic, Harry's seen dollar signs. But where there's black magic, there's a black mage behind it. And now that mage knows Harry's name. And that's when things start to get interesting. Magic. It can get a guy killed. Let's talk about the audiobook for this first novel first. I understand that James Marsters didn't really have a lot of opportunity to do a read-through before he did his actual recording. Yeah, something about that, yeah, he hadn't sort of had time to, like, prep and go over it, so um, it basically was a cold read, that first recording. Um, he he sort of didn't know how the story went, 
Um, and so there was a couple of bits where, yeah, just as he was sort of reading it, sort of, and, and, and it was a little bit. And I mean, yes, I admit, if I'd only ever come to it as that, I might have been a little bit like, mm. but I like James Marster, so I was willing to sort of give him the benefit of the doubt. And there's some parts that he reads that are just absolutely fantastic. And then when I did get a hint, my hands on a copy of the book to do sort of like the actual I could sort of see like okay yeah that's where he sort of tripped over his words a little bit or you know it was probably like got to the end of the the you know like the margin of the page but the sentence didn't quite end there you know and it was like that but um but yeah you do have to give a little bit of a of, of a grain of salt or whatever with that first audiobook so Jim Butcher's writing in general as he develops his characters and his plots and his world, it smooths out a little bit. It gets better. There are a couple of, of little bit rough patches in the first one, but I find them pretty negligible. And I find the overall character of, of Harry and and his, his snark and sarcasm and humor and that appealing enough to sort of ride you over those first bits. And the same thing with James Marster's readings. I was like, yeah, there's a little bit rough in the first, you know, like one or two kind of a thing. And then... After that, um, um, things, and you can tell, like, James, you know, he's sort of sad as much, but, you know, it seems like he gets more into the series, right? So he's more excited about, about reading, and, and, you know, it's not just like, oh, I have to do this, I, I agreed, this is my job, but it's kind of like, he's like, no, these are, like, good stories, I like reading them, it's, it's enjoyable, right? Well, even him at his worst would still be way better than some of the other the other uh, readings for audiobooks that are out there are like, what a stroke of luck to get him as the narrator. Yeah, right? And that's the thing. I think that's one of the advantages I like with with like an actor and stuff like that too. Um, and I found that with other, like there's a few audiobooks, you know, sometimes you have just the straight up narrators and depending on the type of story, that's kind of okay too because that kind of harkens back to my like childhood and schooling and way you were sort of taught to read and read out loud and like masterpiece theater there's kind of a a uh, you know a quality and tone to just sort of like a narration and sometimes that's fine but he sometimes almost a but, film noir but to he it. yeah he he sort of does like i like that that he very much flushes out the different like voices and personalities mm -hmm. of the characters and stuff like that right and it becomes easier to tell who's who just by talking without necessarily having the this person said, that person said this, right? It's like you can tell because he switches the voices up and, and the things, you know, and you're like, oh, I know who's talking kind of a stuff and it makes it more fun. It gives Definitely the characters more personality. And professional actor that is doing the work. Yeah, and thankfully Marsters is pretty decent at as, as evidenced on Buffy because for a very long time, um, a very large amount of people all thought that he was British and they were all very surprised to find out that he was a little Modesto, California boy. And they're like, what? He's not really right. So he's pretty good. He can do some different voices and some different accents and some different things like that, which, yeah, helps sort of to, to bring it more alive and make it more enjoyable. Mm -hmm. I find the setting of this book is, uh, we'll talk a little bit about how the acceptance of magic in Chicago at the time, because it does sort of talk about in those first few chapters about how how it isn't set in a modern day 2000 Chicago and has a bit of a disappointment with um, science and politics and has been readily ready to accept. Yes. The, the world's view of, of the new religion is science. And that's been kind of disappointing because it hasn't fully explained everything and made everything happen. And yeah, I think honestly, the way I, and I think you brought this up before kind of a thing. And I honestly look at this the way I read it is is very much exactly how the world climate is regarding this. It's it's 
really not a wide public thing. Like we all, you know, we all enjoy our our vampires and our werewolves and our our Marvel movies and all that kind of stuff. But for the most part, none of us really, really believe it's real, right? And there's, you know, everybody has maybe, or the majority of people, you have a little bit of a, there might be, like, even for myself, right? I'm like, I don't know that I've ever really had, like, an absolute for sure, oh, yeah, fuck, there was a ghost in the room. But I've also had, like, some weird shit. You get that creeping up your spine, your hair standing on end, some millions and millions of weird shit reported out there that you're kind of like, well, the possibility. The possibility, like, there might be something to something. I don't know, you know, and and whether exactly, whether it's, like, um, you know, part of that person that's left behind or just a vague imprint that isn't really connected to them whether it's spiritual and, and religious whether it's it's trauma like I don't really know I don't go into it that way but it's kind of like you know I very much read it that exactly the world is that there are people out there who swear up and down they've had some kind of experience with something uh, but yeah so so there are you know your Wiccans and things who have their level of, of beliefs and what that means there are your everyday Joe Schmo. There are your absolute believers. There's your whack jobs. There's your non-believers. There's your your religious right. Like I, my you know is is very much like that. Like basically how the world views it in real life is sort of how it's presented in in Dresden to begin with, right? So he's like, no shit, I'm I'm for real. I'm like actually, and most of us are like, yeah, okay, well, sure, unfortunately, yeah. they're just enough to actually hire uh, an open wizard to do these investigations, although they sort of covertly put it under as a a psychic, which is still believing in paranormal, but not to a certain extent, you know? We're willing to believe that a psychic might have a feeling that we're willing to look into, but we're not actually going to believe that you're a magic practitioner who... Yeah, exactly right. Like, that has become a thing in the world today, is there are psychic consultants right sometimes that has has led to um i don't want to say profitable results um successful you know clues and whatever and and results insights and things like that yeah so it's some insights yeah and again whether (laughs) you know like i have to laugh like i'm currently re-watching psych right now which um is is more of a it was the same as The Mentalist, which they make fun of because Psych came out first and then The Mentalist. So Psych was more comedic. The Mentalist was more drama. But it's basically, you know, about a, a fake psychic, you know, that they just base so much on, like, observations and, and picking up things around them and stuff like that, you know. So it's like, right, exactly. You're like, well, is there really such a thing? Are the psychics really getting the vibes? But it doesn't really, especially in the context of these shows and stuff like that, it doesn't really matter. It's just the end results are, is it moving things along? Do they get somewhere in the end? Do they catch, right? So yeah, well, same thing. Yeah, that's a fair thing with Dresden too, though, is that a lot of the time it's not the magic that helps him. It's just being smart enough to take in all the information you know. So a lot of his information is coming from demons or angels or wizards or fairies third eye but either way yeah, yeah whether way, that's your snitch on the corner same as or, the way you know in psych you know it's really just putting the puzzle pieces together until you've got the answer rather than just constant spell casting and yes yeah so. no absolutely and and that is it and, and dresden does come dresden has um apprenticed as a private investigator under sort of a regular average ordinary private investigator so he's got his his pi license and he's done his footwork he just adds the element that 
dude's also a wizard and and he can what track a things wonderful juxtaposition to allow a regular reader who especially somebody who's done mysteries to enter sort of a fantasies or yeah. vice versa somebody who wants to le- or read more mystery this is a perfect bridge over piece because it T- touches on two different uh, genres. Yes, yeah, yeah, and it sort of encompasses them both fairly equally. I think and in the all encompassing, all encompassing comedy. All enco- <laughs> oh my god, yeah, and, and I have to admit that's one of the biggest things. I love, love, love. Like I, I, and it, like we were mentioning before, there has been a few years now. Usually, Butcher was averaging about it was like around a year, a year and a half. So for the most part, you would sort of get it coming out at the same time, and then it might be like a couple extra months, and then it would, and then yeah, this last one, which admittedly there was a lot more going on. He's got other projects that hopefully we will eventually get to and work on some of his other stuff as well. Um, but he's got yeah different series and stuff he was working on, different you know personal life things happening, and just developing these last couple of books took a bit more. So we have this huge wait. So trying to fill that void and trying to find other things, and so I was trying to sometimes do that books like Dresden, you know, like if you like this, you might like, right? And some of the stuff, and I have to admit there was a couple of times, like like I think one for sure, I never made it past the first chapter and stuff like that and a few others where it was just um, but yeah, things I've read and and when the characters have to explain themselves too much or point out you know, like, oh, I'm so sarcastic, you know, like, nobody gets me, but I'm just sarcastic, or, you know, everybody just thinks I'm kind of bitchy, but really, I'm just sarcastic. I'm like, no, if you have to keep bringing it up and putting it out there, you're really not. Like, I'm just like, no. And and I like that, like, Justin will kind of, sn- like, he'll mention, you know, he's got, like, snark, or he's got to always have, like, a comeback, he just can't keep his mouth shut. But he doesn't harp on, he doesn't spend, like, an entire chapter being, like, I'm so sarcastic and people just don't get me. They think I'm an ass. I'm like, no, he just does it. He just does or says something funny or snarky or sarcastic. Sarcastic by example. By example, exactly, you know. It was like, the you know, me thinks you protest too much kind of a deal, right? I'm sorry, I screwed that all up for anybody that's going to be annoyed by actually getting quotes right. But, yeah, it's it's like, just, just do it and say you don't need to have to keep explaining it all the time because it means you really not if you have to point it out if nobody gets it that's because you're doing it wrong if you're doing it right we get it less said the better just mm-hmm. yeah and and it, it his is very much i love i love like his his reference humor to like pop culture and things like that and just yeah the kind of snark and sarcasm and that is yeah i absolutely adore that kind of writing i adore that kind of character and harry and butcher does it really well harry does it really well and um Plus, you get the mystery. All right. Well, that concludes our, our quick talk about the the book itself and our our first little bit of our introduction to ourselves. Next, we are going to talk to you about chapter one. This is our episode. Harry, you're a wizard. Alrighty, so here we start off the first chapter of the first book with an introduction to the titular character, Mr. Harry Dresden himself. We meet Harry in his office building, killing time with no current cases. Um, He soon receives a call from a nervous woman looking for her missing husband. Dresden's not sure if this is the type of situation he can help with, but makes an appointment to discuss the details further in person. On the heels of that call, he receives another from the Chicago PD, Special Investigations Division. Um, Harry has done some work for them in the past, but this time it's a little weightier with a double murder having been committed. 
So does anybody remember their like initial reaction, their first thoughts to the introduction of it's been so long for me uh, that I honestly don't necessarily remember my sort of first. Yeah, I the first thing that I remember thinking is I wondered how old he was because he seems like such a crotchety <laughs> old. <laughs> I, I guess he's probably about 30 or 40 because he's just, you know, yeah, scowling at a lot of things. <laughs> you would be wrong. <laughs> it's not ever really mentioned in the books, but uh, it would be outside information you need to have. Uh, but it is established uh, by Jim Butcher that he's in and about 25 years old at the start of the series. Where does that information reside? Well, it's a little bit of a fan base um, timeline that they've come up with uh, to figure out, you know, based on the things that Harry says was happening in his youth and uh, based on, like, moments that have happened in the stars and planets and worldwide cultural phenomenon that was happening and has been referenced. He watched Dukes of Hazard at a formative age. Basically speaking, fans have been able to nail down that he's roughly 25 and Jim Butcher himself and his word of Jim aka any interview he's ever given is all compiled under word of Jim and for those of you who are listening we do have on our website um, a page that's resources that leads to this website and all those who are also familiar with Jim Butcher's website he does have community resources as well that does have this timeline the fan compiled timeline exactly Uh, fan compiled author approved exactly so all of that combined uh, leads us to know that Harry is more or less 25 there is occasionally conflicting information that drags like his age give, give or, or take, take a year, year or two, yeah, but but more okay. or less he's about 25 we'll just go with the series. Yeah, 25 okay good uh, in Stormfront anyways well yeah. this is our first really clear in in this book our clear introduction to our main character which is Harry uh, my impression of him was that he's he's quite honest to a fault he gives a hard mm-hmm. truth to his his clients whether it costs him money or not um, he has a very specific view on it what it, what it means to be a wizard which I think is probably yeah, also there's, why there's I like thought rules he was older Harry <laughs> has very hard opinions about everything and he sticks to those morals uh, again as you said to a fault sometimes for the most yeah exactly he's got sort of some very specific um rules and regulations and some of them are are external externally um imposed that's the word i was looking for some of them are externally imposed and some of them are internally his own sort of rules and guides that he his his own personal code of honor and that that he he goes by one of those code of honors being a chivalrous sort of of Code of honor, pardon me. Codes of honor. Yeah, no, so okay. as you see later in the books, Harry, when confronted with the female presence, can sometimes turn that little bit extra chauvinistic or over-the-top gentleman, sort of a yeah. little outdated the, chivalry. The shining knight and... Exactly, so... Now, now this was not something that ever particularly bothered me like I had comparatively um, older parents. I had a, a large family where I fall into it. I've got older siblings, younger siblings. There was 30 years of raising children kind of a thing. So so my parents um, 
we're a little bit older in that sense. So now I'm, I don't know. So if that's a little bit sort of those older traditions and values that I'm just like, well, my dad was a gentleman. My dad did like, my dad was a very sweet guy. Like, or, or if, you know, I'm just sort of oblivious, but I, I, I find some people get very offended. They think Harry is really chauvinistic and like really misogynistic and really, and, and, and I don't, I find that to me, it's, it, I guess I can see how it kind of be viewed that way, but I find sort of like the, the sweeter, more genteel aspects of it. I don't find that he looks down on women per se. I don't find that he automatically finds them incapable but he was raised to treat a lady like a lady, like you pull out a chair and you open a door and and not that that belittles them in a way to him. That's just polite night, you know, like he says it himself, you know, I think we should treat women as something other than like shorter, weaker men. Right. So, uh, you know, and, and listening to some other things, um, I found some other good podcasts out. Not not as good as this one. Sorry. But, um, you know, that I've been listening. And again, they're. They're sort of like very uh, like, oh, it's always described as, you know, like it's always commenting on all the women and their descriptions and their blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, maybe I just kind of missed that the first time around. Maybe I just wasn't, you know, what do you, Tanzan, do you have a... Well, I was thinking that because the author actually comes back to this, and I'm not sure if it's just more than chapter one, but he does say that he's almost to a fault chivalrous and that it, it's almost to his detriment yeah. that, he, that he you know has a weakness for for a, a, a damsel in distress quote unquote yes quote unquote not yeah 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 and, sure. and I think that so this is more more of a character development thing that 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 shows that he's willing to do anything for somebody who's who needs the help less 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 so much their their gender is Again. I think that it has actually more to do with that he wants to go out there and help somebody who cannot help themselves. Right, Jess? Well, I think, like, to a point, Jim Butcher has also just been criticized as sometimes focusing on the female too much. Sometimes his descriptions are just... Yeah, the, the male gaze, you yeah, know, like right? Just, like, do you find that? Do you exactly. see that well, when you read there's, it? Every character needs his flaws. So, to a point, if it's not this, it's going to be something else, and it's not something that I think that Harry is drawing out for too long you know it's a comment here and then you're moving on with the story so it's not something that i'm generally sitting there fuming like can we just move on already i get it like move on like for the most part whatever he says his piece and we're going past that it is something that i know people are upset with just even butcher himself just again the male gaze like you don't need to focus on this you don't need to comment on that you know like she folded her arms under her breasts like yeah that's why you fold arms you don't need (laughs) to you know exactly specify well, yeah. we're looking at this right now from a perspective that's got 20 years because it came out in 2000, which is not something that maybe at the t- very time would have been picked apart as much as it would have been now. And I think that in a, maybe a little bit, because even still, I think going into 2000s, there was still a lot more, like you say, maybe a little bit more. But I, I, I guess for me, part of, like you said, I like what you say sort of about the flaws. You're right. Harry does have some flaws, and that is part of what, you know, he's not just like, this demigod like ooh, I can do magic I know everything I can do everything I can pull everything out of my butt and just right he runs into obstacles and flaws and I guess for me it's that you're right Harry might be a little bit that way and that is like you say part of his flaws part of his characters part of the way Butcher has sort of been like hey but I guess the difference for me why I don't focus on it as much is because the women aren't you know, like I say, we are getting all of this from from Harry's perspective. We're inside Harry's head, Harry first person. So there's that unreliable narrator, unreliable narrator. But there's 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 the the women aren't 
right? Like, I think that that Butcher does a good job, and, and you know, we're going to get into um, more of the characters right away, right? But I'm like, like Murphy, who we meet, um, well, she, she phones. We, we get her very briefly at the end of this chapter, and we get more on her, right? But um, she's not a particularly weak, incapable person, and there are other women that come and go in Harry's life that, again, I think, you know, they're not all just pin-up, bimbos kind of a thing right so I guess Harry's doesn't bother me that way because Butcher brings the strong female into the story yeah yeah exactly so it's a little bit like sure to a point even when Harry says like oh just like sit at home and be safe he's not actually acting on it like sometimes he may make the like well this is going to be dangerous well you don't really know what you're signing up for well maybe it's best if you say here like he's certainly said and done the piece but generally speaking when the women around him have stepped up and said you're not keeping me out of the fight Harry generally is like, all right, cool, like, grab yeah. a gun, let's go, you know? Like, it's not to the point where, as you read in other books, where they're very much like, you're staying at home, and I'm going to deal with this, and I'll see you later. It's, like, a lot more of, like, the very, like... Yeah, he's like, yeah, you know, I care about... But, but I mean, yeah, he'll do that for, for a lot of, of other people, too. And you're right, maybe slightly more female-centric, but, I mean, again, I think that's that gut reaction of, you know, protect the women and children kind of a thing in Harry's life, and that, yeah, the men are a little bit more expendable kind of a thing, right? But you're right, he certainly, I mean, there's more than enough times where he goes to women for for help, whether it's it's ideas, knowledge, information, or sometimes straight up... Ass-kickings. Ass-kicking and stuff like that, you know, and, and, and exactly, and I think, and again, he. I mean, I get that, right? Like, if I want to internalize that and be like yeah you know if this was my my partner or my my kids or my you know I would be like yeah you know what can you not you know like and I mean you do that like as a parent and stuff like that right there there's there's plenty of things where you're like I'm not going to think about my kid getting on a city bus and going to school because it's going to freak me out if I start thinking about the 10 million things that can go wrong but my kids are going to fucking kill me if I'm like, you're not allowed to ride the city bus. Like, they, you know what I mean? Well, you can't go anywhere. You can't get anywhere else. I'm not available to drive you. But I'm not letting you on You know what I mean? Or, you know, learning to drive. You know, it's like you don't want to think about the first time they're going to be on icy, snowy roads. You don't want to think about the first time a drunk driver, like, goes zipping past them on a, on a you know, like, you just, right, same thing. I'm like, I, we would love to box our families up and keep them safe, but we know it's not practical, right? So I kind of look at it more like that, like... Like, I'd really rather you stay here and didn't get involved because there's a good chance this could end badly for you. But when they're like, mm, not going to happen, he's like, okay, fine. Here's how best we can defend ourselves going in. Yeah, so it's like, again, I can understand why some people might just not agree with that. When they read it, they might be a little bit, like, turned off or put their noses up at it. But I honestly don't think that it's... In cases like that, I think it's people who are looking for a problem with it because it's really not something that, for me, takes up... Right. Enough for the text to be important enough, you know? It's okay. That's good. Yeah, that was for me. That's, I just kind of wanted to confirm yeah. it because, yeah, I mean, again, since we are women with that women perspective, I'm like, it never really bothered me. Am I just not being sensitive enough or are other people being too sensitive? But, okay, it's it's other people are just – those that want to focus on it will focus on it and be bothered. Exactly. So I'll see, her, see him as more of a protector sort of – is. What yeah, I sort of end up seeing him as maybe yeah. full of himself, you know. But he might, <laughs> but yeah, but with good intentions. He's got that twenty-five-year-old arrogance that mm-hmm. most yeah. men that have yeah. at that age. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that I'm a twenty-five-year-old male that, to have or that ever perspective. Was <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> but I guess you know, youth, male testosterone. Yeah, that's what it sounds like to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll cut that out later. I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I like how he's like sitting there 
reading books like his paper. Like that's the other thing I like, right? Like Harry's kind of like a nerd like us. <laughs> he's well read, right? He's <laughs> he's well read. He's got his box of 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 paperback novels that he's flipping through and stuff like that, right? Um, and yeah, so it's been established we've got this, you know, mid twenties year old guy is a wizard sitting in his office, struggling a bit, books, struggling a bit. Um, yeah, he's. This is his business. Kind of this is, he's hung out a shingle, but doesn't exactly. always pay well. He's not super well established yet. And then he gets a phone call from a mystery woman. And I kind of love. This is another thing that I just kind of love. Like he's sitting there, like so he gets annoyed at the mailman bringing him like the registered mail because that's just not going to be good. And then the mailman's like, "What are you kidding?" And he's like, "Fuck no! Like I'm actually a wizard. Like it says, like just leave me alone." Right? Kind of not in the mood for, right? And then, so yeah, kind of bemoaning the fact that that he's got bills to pay. Um, this registered mail that he didn't want is like another late another late notice from his landlord and stuff like that, right? And then the phone rings and he's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> right? Like he's kind of like suspicious, right? He's like, "Why is that?" And he doesn't want to look, right? He's like, "I'm just gonna let it ring a few times because I don't want it to look like I'm desperate." For, right? So part of him, he's kind of like, "Why are you ringing?" And then he's like, "Well, wait, I really do need a case. This is good, but I'm not gonna like pick up right away because I don't want them to think that I'm like sitting around here waiting for, right?" Like again, I just kind of like how that all sort of sets him up and like sort of his you know sort of personality and character that way, cool. right? That he's just like, "I'm desperate, but I'm not gonna. I'm trying not gonna make it obvious that I'm desperate." <laughs> Real cool. Real cool. Just hi, this is Dresden. <laughs> Does it ever say what his registered mail was? Yes, it was, it was another late notice from his landlord. Ah, okay. That's okay. what it's, yeah, when he finally gets it and, and looks at it, that's what it is. It's, it's another. So whether, I'm not sure, I'm going to assume from his office landlord, which is where he's at, not like his his home landlord, because I wouldn't imagine they need to send him registered mail. I imagine she just... He's not in the same building, is he? As the his mm-hmm. landlord's yes. office? His no, his office is not. Yeah, he's, he's, he's got he's got an he's got a legit office in a legit office building in like midtown, downtown, mid downtown, Chicago, and then he has a house, which we'll get to in a bit. But I don't think this is a major spoiler. He 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 rents a room in a boarding house, but his landlady also lives in his boarding house. Oh, I'm so glad you guys are the experts because <laughs> I right. don't always pay attention to this. Yeah, so his also again, I'm assuming this is a yeah, I'm assuming his landlady would just be like, yo, Harry. Your rent's late again. Mm-hmm. Um, but he seems to have a little bit of a relationship with his landlady. So, But this, I'm assuming, if it's registered mail, I'm assuming that this is the rent for his office okay. building. That they're like, um, Mr. Wizard. Again, setting up, <laughs> setting up that yeah. he hasn't necessarily got a lot of income. Yeah, yeah. He's, the- he's, he's struggling. He's starting out. He's right. So this is what he wants to do. He wants to, to be a, a wizard. He doesn't want to, you know, be on the down low like most of the supernatural community right like this is why we don't really believe because we don't actually see werewolves and stuff right so he's like kind of flying in the face of tradition by by practicing his art openly um puts his ad in the yellow puts his ad is the only one yeah and so everyone's kind of like what the fuck right and so yeah so like the mailman a lot of people think he must be like a stage and this is the other thing i'd like to this is where we introduce um um, Harry for fully who he is. Harry Blackstone Copperfield Dresden. Yeah, so Harry PI um, phone book. So yeah, so he gets this call. So his phone finally goes off and um, you've got this sort of nervous, timid woman 
looking for her husband. And this is one of the other things that's kind of a little bit funny. And again, I don't know if this is just me or if this is one of those things where it's it's a little bit of a glitch in the writing that kind of smooths out later. But Harry's all like, because yeah, because she's like, well, my husband's missing. And he's like, well, have you tried the police or like a PI? And she's like, well, I don't think. And he's like, well, I'm not sure this is really my thing. So she's like, okay, well, sorry to bother you. And then he's like, well, no, wait, wait, wait. And I'm like, you just told her you couldn't help her though <laughs> like to me that was always something that kind of and I'm like I guess he's sort of you know like I mean partially it's it's he's looking for the money and stuff like that but it's just it, yeah it was just one of those things that just read to me a little bit funny at the time where basically he's like yeah I don't think I can help you with this so she's like okay <laughs> and then he's like well wait don't hang up <laughs> it's like but you just said you can't help me what do you think Jess is that a uh, on, on purpose or uh... is that just a me thing <laughs> I mean I think it's just a little bit of the writing, the way it was, put. It was and also just human deeper. error. Like, yeah, yeah, man, man, this doesn't have to do. Wait, actually, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Look at your bills again. Be reminded of the fact that because again, Harry has that moral code where he's like, "I'll turn away business if I don't think I'm the right person for the job." You know, I want them to actually get the help that they need. Yeah. But at the same time, he's a little bit like, "Well, you know, I can do it. Like, I, I could maybe." Yeah. And I wonder a little bit if that's a bit of the chivalry, chivalry. Oh. Chivalrous? Chivalrousness. <laughs> One more time. <laughs> I wonder if that's a bit of the chivalrousness. Mm-hmm. Oh, dang. I. What's a better way to say that? I wonder if it's because he's being chivalry. Nope. No, he, he's being chivalrous. Chivalrous. Thank you. All right. One more time. I wonder if a little bit that's of that. That's just Harry's nice guy attitude. <laughs> if it's... Harry being chivalry. Chivalrous. chivalrous. Oh, for frack's sakes. His chivalry, or he's being chivalrous. Yes, that's it. Yeah. So if that's just Harry's gut instinct to want to help, that's what you're trying to say. <laughs> yeah, that sounds yeah. about right. Yeah, that sounds about <laughs> That's pretty succinct. And scene. And scene. <laughs> um, yeah, so he does eventually. He's like, okay, hey, hang on, let's just, let's just get you in here and we'll discuss it in person kind of a thing and if I can help you great if not I will yeah see about referring you to somewhere else so she does agree to uh to come in ultimately speaking he's a PI like sure he wants to more focus on the wizard aspect but it's not exactly like a swindle like more or less yeah you're in the books as a PI and a wizard so yeah yeah more swindle yeah yeah paranormal investigations because that was something Mm -hmm. because I was like is he down as and his business card is paranormal investigations and so while and I mean it's kind of like we used to know this this um hypnotist for a while do we do we plug hey marks of art hope you're still doing well awesome shows um but yeah um my sister and and that kind of got into his shows and I've been to a few and um that was one of his, he's like, there's not really, you can't learn how to be a hypnotist. The only thing really out there is like clinical hypnotism. So you can go and study under like therapists who do it for, you know, therapeutic reasons and regression and things like that. And that's kind of where he learned some of the basics. And then you just kind of worked with it and adapted it more for the stage show fun parlor trick hypnosis of it rather than the clinical, right? So I think that's a little bit with Harry, right? He's like, well... Again, not a lot of paranormal investigations, not a lot of wizard PIs out there. So he went and he did his straight up PI training under a licensed private investigator, right? Did did the what's the word I'm looking for? Not paid his dues, but did, did his, his time. Did his time or whatever doing that, and then apprenticeship. yeah, apprenticeship. But yeah, applies that to then just the spooky side of things. Got his hours. 
Yeah, goddess hours. So yeah, he can do the straight up, but yeah. All right. So once he's got that call, he makes arrangements with her to actually finally get her. Yeah. So she's going to come by in like 45 minutes, an hour, whatever. And he's like, great. I got time to like, you know, grab some lunch and, and get ready. And then the phone immediately rings again. And he's even more suspicious of it this time than initially, because apparently wizards and technology don't get on so well. Um, he blows light bulbs all the time. The phones don't work properly. Anything after word will chew. World War II is kind of his, for the modern day wizard, any technology sort of fancier than, than that era of production is, is suspect. Can I tell you, since I have been reading the Dresden Files, and because I work in IT, yeah. I have met many wizards. <laughs> and Wait a minute. <laughs> my goodness, there are definitely people out there that electronics just do not work for it. That was my fair jest. What they do, done. You you have one in the room. Ah! Yeah, we oh, are. Dear. She could kill our desktop at 50 paces. It did, don't yeah. tell me that. Yeah. I don't have insurance <laughs> for this stuff yet. <laughs> it seems to have gotten slightly, I, I guess... Oh, Jess, I just realized we did not recognize and nurture your talent and now... Squandered. Use it or lose it. Thanks a lot. You don't... Now wow. you're just bad with technology. Wow. <laughs> if only we had discovered these books earlier. You ruined um, me. But yeah, and, and I mean, I'm, I'm sure some of it was our, our older desktop, but yeah, me and my other daughter... Not so much problem. My sister, not so much. Jessica, every time she went, like, we just about were like, do we wrap you in, like, the tinfoil hat? Or because every are, time she got here, it was like, and it would shut off. And There and, are really people that are like Yeah, appa- apparently, apparently, Grandpa, my dad, was, my mom used to always say, yeah, he could, he could, he'd zap watches. Thanks a lot. Wearing a rich wast. He could but, you know, it is explained watch. later on in the books, too, that this technology thing is kind of only, it, the magic interacts with the world in different ways so in the current president's technology way back when wizards it with curdle milk manifested oh. in different yeah, yeah and that's so. somewhere a little bit down the line i forget exactly which one he he describes that so in, but you know you never know maybe future tech will eventually not bother a wizard so much you know but again it'll it be also holograms said, like, yeah sometimes it'd be like weird skin like pock marks or warts yeah or how, how the traditional witch face of all being yeah warty and scabby phones and will stuff. be fine but ai will just be very confused <laughs> maybe <laughs> which is really better for everyone right but um essentially yeah so Again, so we've got this guy yeah. who's suspicious of magic, you know, or, or, or technology. Of technology, sorry, and he's yeah. gone from no cases to two phone calls. Yeah, so and he's like, suitably. wait, what? But, um, but turns out legit. The second phone call is from Chicago PD, and it's Karen Murphy, and we get the gist that they, this is obviously not the first time, right? There's some background there. They know each other. She's calling him in on a case, and he's kind of giving her a bit of a hard time. It's like, oh, hey. Karen, how's it going? Good to hear from you. Oh, family's good. Yours. And she's like, yeah, yeah, cut the bullshit. This is right. Because he's like, I haven't heard from you in a while. Because this is where we learn that Harry makes the majority of his bread and butter, right? Like he takes on private cases whenever possible. But again, right, he doesn't have a huge reputation and, and client base built up there or word of mouth or anything. So um, for the most part, where he sort of steadily gets an income is, is getting called in to consult on on police cases. And, and again, that's where he's, as you mentioned before, not down as a wizard because that's still stretching it, but he's on the books as a, as a psychic consultant. So that's how they kind of bend the, the 
but yeah, basically, yeah. So then he's like, oh shit. She's like, yeah, not in the mood for my, my BS, my, um, malarkey here. So yeah. So she's like, no, we got a bad one. Get over here. And he's like, well, I have an appointment. And she's like, I don't care. Get over here. And he's like, okay, well, I do care. <laughs> like, you know, but he's like, I'll tell you what, like, you're not very far. Um, it, it is Midtown. He has an office yeah. in Midtown Chicago. But yeah, this hotel is a few blocks away. So he sort of compromises. He says, look, I'll come over. I'll check it out. And I'm going to make it back for my appointment. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and she's like, yeah, she's like, have you, have you done lunch yet? And he's like, no, I was, I was going to grab, right? And she's like, yeah, don't. And he's like, oh, goody. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that forward. basically, yeah, so that basically sums up that. So, yeah, we sort of meet Harry for the first time, and then he gets sort of these couple cases, and, and now we're off and running and seeing where this is going to lead to. Which brings us to Chapter 2. This concludes our episode. Harry, you're a wizard. Thank you for listening. You can check us out online at freeflowrambling.com or mcanallys.ca. There we have links to our other podcasts, social media, and other fun tidbits. Tune into our next episode for Chapter 2 and 3, Green Eyes and Broken Hearts. We are Free Flow Rambling. Conjure at it by your own risk.